from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. I am so happy to be here with you and to be a part of your morning today and every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time weekly right here on MixLR.com backslash wake up call dt thank you so much for being a part of today's show and for being a part of the show weekly monday through friday from 9 a.m to 11 a.m eastern time so god bless and many thanks for that so truly truly appreciate it thank you to everybody that's linked up on facebook as well on facebook.com backslash wake up call dt on twitter at call dt and on instagram at dan tortora media so thank you to everybody that's connected with the show in some way shape or form i truly appreciate it and thank you as well as those of you on youtube.com that click subscribe on youtube.com backslash wake up call dt so thank you for that as well. And of course, all my members on wakeupcalldt.com where everything is in one place together. So much appreciated and many thanks for you being a part of the broadcast and a part of the show. I'm back in New York, was down in Florida, did a couple shows for you down in Florida, covered the Jacksonville Jaguars-Tennessee Titans game. Ninth season that I have covered the Jacksonville Jaguars and and been down there and credentialed and in the press box and in the locker room and talking with the guys and spending some time. So big shout out to the Jaguars organization and a many thanks to the Jaguars organization, as well as to all the players I've spoken with over the years. The players that I spoke with this week, who were Malik Jackson, Yannick Nagakwe, as well as Calais Campbell and Marquise Lee, Mercedes Lewis, Barry Church, A.J. Bowie, and Cam Robinson. I want to thank each and every single one of them for their time and their one-on-one conversations. Make sure that you go back and listen into those. They will be uploaded, saved, and there for your listening pleasure on the RSS feed, the iTunes free podcast, and they will be on the show app, the Wake Up Call DT free show app. You can get them all by going to wakeupcalldt.com and right under the live mix LR feed where it says coming up on the live schedule, Right under the feed, it says download for free, and there's an RSS feed, there's an iTunes feed, and there's the downloadable app on Podbean. Make sure that you click on each of those and download them, save them, they're free. So make sure you do that so you can connect with the show and connect with the interviews that I did that aired this week, as well as interviews from five years ago. We go all the way back to July 2012, and that archive of over 750 free episodes is available to you if you download the RSS feed or the iTunes free podcast or the Wake Up Call DT free app powered by Podbean. So make sure, whichever one you do, that you do it today so you can listen in and be ready for all the new shows that will be uploaded. We go live here on MixLR.com 
dot com backslash wake up call dt every monday through friday from 9 a.m to 11 a.m eastern time and right after that we jump you right in to the archive so we go live here and then we send it over there so that you can listen <coughs> pardon me so you can listen back to it forever and always have an opportunity to go back and find your favorite show or find a show that you missed and if you go to the powered by podbean opportunity that you have which is on wakeupcalldt.podbean.com make sure you go to that's to download the free show app which you can also get like i said on the rss feed and on itunes if you go and download the app you can go to the search bar and you can type in like floyd little and it'll bring you up all the shows over the last five years that featured floyd little or me talking about floyd little and uh, jim Beheim, joe theisman so on and so forth so it makes it very user-friendly and very easy for you to go back and find a show and an interview, a timeless interview, with one of these gentlemen or ladies or whoever I have spoken with. So thank you so much for what you do, and make sure that you download and connect. It's all free. It doesn't take up hardly any space, if anything at all. So it is not obstructive, and it doesn't hit your bank account. So make sure you go out and get the Wake Up Call Archive, however you'd like to do it, RSS, iTunes, or free show app powered by Podbean. Thank you for listening in today. On today's show in the morning menu, we're jam-packed, baby. We are here, and we are ready to go. We are raring to go. We started a few minutes after 9 this morning. My flight got in not, <laughs> not, not as it got in early based on when it was supposed to get in. But it was still late. It's like one of the last flights that comes in, I think. So I got some sleep, and I'm here with you now, and I'm very happy to be. And with that being said, in today's morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. It is the home of the Dan Tortora Special, Belgian waffle cut in half, filled with a bacon, egg, and cheese omelets. It is absolutely, positively amazing. And you need to get yourself out and try it at the Market Diner. If you haven't had it yet, you're probably in the minority at this point. So make sure you head out to the Market Diner and get yourself the Dancatora Special. Don't waste another second. You can get it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Available to you exclusively at 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York. In the regional market across from Destiny, USA at the Market Diner. So make sure you get out there and get yourself the Dan Tortora special at the Market Diner. They proudly bring you the morning menu every single wake-up call Monday through Friday. And on today's morning menu, we're going to start the show off talking a little bit about the sports world, kind of what's going on, my experiences down in Florida. We'll, we'll discuss a few things here in the first few minutes. And at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, I will be joined live by the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. The commissioner of the American Athletic, that being Mike Oresco, will join me to discuss something that I discussed with the coaches that you'll hear in Sound Bites of the Week this week, and that is about scheduling changes with Hurricane Irma and how the conference tackled trying to figure out a way to get every single one of their teams their divisional games and try to make sure that these teams could play 12 games in general so that they were not at a disadvantage of any other team in any other conference. So we're going to discuss that with Mike Oresco, the camaraderie of the league, the coming together of the league, the strength of the league, 
and of course how this league responded to Hurricane Irma and what they did to make sure and what they're doing to make sure that every single team is not at a disadvantage. So I'm very happy to have somebody who is no stranger to the show and definitely somebody I respect and appreciate is Commissioner Mike Oresco, who will join me live to discuss the entire conference as well as how they tackled Irma. So we're going to definitely, and what he took away from the outpouring of support from other conferences and, and schools within the conference, helping each other out and doing right by one another during this very, very, very tough and difficult time for so many people with Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Irma. So not just Irma, but Harvey and and everything that's gone on. So I'm very, very excited to have the opportunity to speak with Mike Oresco once again, and that'll be at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. At 10 a.m. Eastern Time, you will hear my one-on-one extended conversation with Mr. Floyd Little. Floyd Little's going to be joining me here on the broadcast. I am elated. I love speaking with Floyd, and he truly is an absolute pleasure to have on the show. So I cannot wait for the opportunity to be here with Floyd Little in just a little while. We have done this many, many times, and it is an absolute pleasure every single time to speak with Floyd Little. So it is with gratitude and appreciation that I welcome him back to the show at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And at 10.45 a.m. Eastern Time, we will go one-on-one with Buddy Beheim. This is his trifecta interview on the show, trifecta conversation. Third time he has been on, and he all but said he was going to Syracuse the first two times. And <clears throat> this time around, we are going to discuss his commitment to Syracuse, finally saying yes. Why did he say yes right now? What was it about now that just made sense for him? What can he say about the future and about the potential of going and being coached by his father and that when he leaves Syracuse, his father will leave Syracuse and that we they can do this thing together and do it one more time for Bayheim, one more run for Bayheim, and that Buddy will be the opportunity for Jim to sail off in the sunset after coaching his son. So we're going to discuss all of that on today's broadcast, and that will round out today's show, which I am very, very, very excited to get into. So three great conversations coming up. Mike Oresco of the American Athletic Conference, followed by my one-on-one with Syracuse Orange and NFL living legend Floyd Little on so many different topics. We're going to talk about the NFL, college football, Syracuse, and we're going to get into the American flag, Colin Kaepernick civil unrest in our country we're going to talk about it all you don't want to miss out on these conversations that i mean the multiple conversations that i have with floyd little in today's show and we're going to go one-on-one as i just said with syracuse university 2018 men's basketball commit buddy Beheim and son of jim Beheim, and we're going to discuss the future that stands in front of him and what he is excited about as, as well as his current place right now so Very excited to have the opportunity to get all these gentlemen onto the show and cannot wait for this to to finally happen. So very, very excited for today. Been waiting to uh, do this show here for a little bit, and I'm elated about the opportunity of being able to share this with you. So thank you so much for tuning in today and being a part of today's broadcast. 
and let's jump into it. So, morning menu proudly presented by the Market Diner. You just heard what's coming up. Thank you to the morning menu for everything that the Market Diner does and connecting with the show every single day, connecting with the community, connecting with the people that walk through those doors every Monday through Saturday for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and on Sunday up until 2.30 p.m. when they close. So thank you so much to Tony and Elaine and BC and the entire team at the Market Diner for being consummate professionals and continuing to work very diligently to do the best that they can in the community, to join all the other companies I'm so proud and blessed to work with in Central and Upstate New York. With that being said, we got a few minutes here before Mike Oresco comes on to the show. And yesterday we went ham on the NFL and everything that's going on in the NFL in week two, which is definitely very, very exciting. And, uh, you know, obviously we've had some we've had some good times in the NFL in the first couple of weeks. We've also had, you know, we've had some good times in the NFL, but, it, you know, the offenses have struggled to get going for a bunch of teams here. But I wanted to go back to the NFL and go to something that's happening off the field. Robert Griffin III was involved in something that Santana Moss, his former teammate, said. Santana Moss, former wide receiver for Robert Griffin III when he was with the Redskins. And Santana Moss said that Robert Griffin III celebrated when the Redskins fired coach Mike Shanahan. Robert Griffin said he has not done that. He said this on Twitter, quote, No subtweeting needed, Santana Moss. I treat you like a brother and have always had your back. To openly lie about me is a betrayal. Moss went on one of the radio stations, 106.7 The Fan, and said, quote, When the whole thing went about, we hear that Mike Shanahan's not coming back the next year. Then we hear the quarterback like, hey, mm-hmm. Like basically saying that, hey, you got me out of here not playing last year, the last few games, then that's what happens. You get fired, end quote. So 2014 comes, Jay Gruden comes in, and he don't care, Moss went on to say. We see that now. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what he says about you. He doesn't care what, he's, what he says at you. And he rips RG every chance he gets, like every meeting, and we're sitting there looking like, yeah, you know what? You were just so happy that Mike and Kyle and them is gone, but now you're getting your behind ripped every day because you're not playing the kind of football that we needed to play for us to be successful. So it comes back and bites you and you're behind because now you see this guy is at home, end quote. Robert Griffin went on to say on Twitter, put in an impossible situation with a coach who never wanted me, made players like Santana Moss a believer through hard work, film study, Showing up early, leaving late, putting in the extra hours, staying after practice, and getting extra work in. We won the division that year. Next year, coach wants out, says he wants out, says he never wanted me as his quarterback, and I get blamed? Come on, man. I have been the good soldier. Some so desperately want me to fit this negative narrative that has been pushed about me, but I don't fit it. Never have, never will. Proved it in Cleveland, voted captain, came back to play for my teammates just to help us win one game with a broken shoulder. Stop the lies. Is what Robert Griffin said in response 
to Santana Moss going on the show. And Santana went on to say, quote, For me to share that with you, it was bothering me because I never forgot it. Because there are the because these are the one guys that believed in what I was doing and how I was doing things and said, Hey, this is what I'm going to do to take this off of you and allow you to be able to be here more and longer so you can be the player I want you to be. And then these guys are gone for doing nothing. I was always bitter about it because I saw it live that these guys was gone because of one guy. He said before that I feel that a lot of stuff going into play when it comes to who gets fired and hired, it's all about numbers. But regardless of what went on when it came down to those decisions of why those guys was gone, it was almost like that was on him that he took that to say, well, hey, that's what happens when you mess with me. And that's how we felt. We saw it live in person up front. So, you know, obviously he's lashing out at Robert Griffin. He's doing it on the radio. He's not talking to Robert Griffin directly and ridiculous and then Robert Griffin is saying listen man this is this is how I feel you know this is the truth don't lie about me don't go out there and lie about me on the radio I'm standing right here brother if you want to talk to me talk to me and I appreciate the fact that Robert Griffin said that but I mean this is this is kind of stupid and it's kind of sick and what's the point you know what's the point Santana Moss is just trying to become relevant again. I mean, let's let's say it's true, right? Let's say it's true. Why is it Santana Moss's business to say something like this? Why is it Santana's Mo- Santana Moss's business? The thing is, Santana Moss is washed up. Santana Moss is forgotten. So, Santana could just be trying to get back in the public eye, trying to get back on Twitter, trying to get back on people caring about what the hell is going on in his life. Or he could be telling the truth. But, again, if he's telling the truth, why is it his story to tell? Robert Griffin, if he, it's Robert Griffin this, and Robert Griffin this, and Robert Griffin this, and Robert Griffin this, and then Robert Griffin this, and then Robert Griffin this. The fact of the matter is, Robert Griffin is not playing. Santana is not playing. Mike Shanahan is not coaching. So who in the F cares? Who cares? These guys are not out there. So who cares? To create relevancy? But that is cowardice. That is cowardice. And if he is lying, well then Santana Moss is just a lowlife trying to get some minutes of publicity. Robert Griffin III Coming into the NFL, it was the notion of this man should probably stop running the way he does. He doesn't have to stop running, but he has to stop putting his body on the line the way he does or else he's going to get hurt all the time. And what happened? He got hurt all the time. He got hurt all the time. Santana Moss, really good receiver, disappeared off the face of the earth. Not bad players. Not bad competitors, just not out there anymore. But where Santana Moss gets this vibe that he should go out there and rip into a former teammate and blast a former teammate who 
hadn't done. I mean, as far as I say, it wasn't preempted. It seems strange. And once again, who cares? Who cares? Jay Gruden is the head coach. Kirk Cousins is the quarterback. Jamison Crowder and Terrell Pryor Sr. Josh Doxson are the wide receivers. So why can't Santana say, hey, I want to talk about the team right now. I want to talk about my personal experiences. But to put somebody on blast going on a radio show seems kind of insane. seems kind of crazy. We're going to jump right into our conversation here with Mike Resco, who is now on the line, who is called into the show to discuss the schedule changes and so much more with the American Athletic Conference. It is always an honor and a privilege to speak with Mike Resco and to have him here on the broadcast. He is no stranger to wake up call with Dan Tortora, and I'm happy he took some time this morning to speak with me. Mike, how you doing today? Good morning, Dan. It's always a pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, not, not a nice morning here, though. It's raining. Uh, getting a little residue of that storm. But uh, nothing like, of course, the people have had to deal with in other places. But uh, in any event, Dan, always a pleasure to be with you. Absolutely. And, and Mike, you know, speaking of this storm, there's been... You know, obviously so many things that have gone on with people that have had to weather this storm all across the country, and inevitably there's going to be issues that will continue and people trying to get back to some sense of normalcy. What can you say about kind of going into the storm, watching it closely? You know, the the headquarters for the American Athletic are in Rhode Island. So you're in Rhode Island watching everything, seeing the potential of what this could be. What did the conference do in preparation of this storm? Was there a plan that you were trying to set in place ahead of time? Well, Dan, we we monitored it closely, uh, and we were mainly concerned with the health and safety of everyone involved. I mean, safety first, always. So anything that we were coordinating with the schools had to do with, with safety, and as you know, Decisions had to be made as to whether to uh, postpone or cancel games, and they the schools kept us you know fully informed, and, and we had a dialogue, uh, and then we offered any kind of help we could, and of course we made a financial commitment on behalf of the conference to the Houston you know, Hurricane Harvey uh, you know aftermath, uh, and we also on our website put up all the different places where you could contribute money. We also worked with TV to deter you know uh, to uh, uh, promote the fact that you could help out and that there were ways to do it and that and the TV uh, executives were, were wonderful. They, they wanted to help us. Uh, when you watched the various telecasts, you saw what they were doing in terms of alerting people that you could send to the Red Cross or you could send to this fund or that fund. We also helped uh, get the word out on Kelvin Sampson's you know terrific gesture and, and it turned out it was it was a you know a, a kind of a different version of what J.J. Watt did. You know, he tried to raise a certain amount of money, and it far far exceeded you know, the response. Far exceeded what what he expected, and it was terrific. And in, in Calvin's case, he wanted you know shoes and shirts and things sent 
uh, if possible. And next thing you know, thousands of boxes were arriving and commitments were made by all the different conferences and, uh, and schools from all over the country. The response was, was terrific. So, you know, in advance and then, uh, you know, right after the storm, we were in close touch. And again, there's only so much we can do, but we, we certainly wanted to show solidarity with uh, you know the people in the Houston and Southeast Texas community, and and also our Florida schools in the in the wake of Hurricane Irma. I don't want to forget them. Uh, this is you know an unusual situation, probably uh, something that doesn't happen you know, but you know, but for a few generations, and, and just uh, one of those things, and uh, you just have to deal with it. Speaking here with the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco. Mike, when when you are trying to, you know, obviously be there for all of the institutions of the conference and, and going through everything that happened with these storms with Harvey and, and with Irma in, in this instance, and obviously in the past, you know, other things have happened with different places in the country and, and being prepared for a storm as best you can be. Speaking with Houston and David Bassetti over in Houston, as well as speaking with Scott Frost with Central Florida and, and speaking with Charlie Strong of South Florida and whatnot, they, they've all spoken about the, the outpouring of support and commitment and appreciation from the conference, from other conferences. Were you surprised at how institutions around the country responded to go and help the people of Houston and help the people of Florida or was it something that you expected? I mean, how did you kind of look at the outpouring of, of support and teams saying you can practice here, you can stay here, former coaches saying bring your team over here? Just what you can say your reaction was to seeing and hearing about all of that. Well, it was gratifying and, and not surprising because you're dealing with good people, people who want to help. <clears throat> this brought out, you know, it was a terrible thing to have happened, but it brought out the best in people, and they're just wonderful people all over the country, but you saw what the Texas schools were all, uh, you know, rushing to help. Every one of them was willing to offer their facilities, and obviously uh, Houston ended up going to, to Texas and uh, was able to practice there. Uh, there were, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Dan, <coughs> excuse me, uh, there were also, you know, in Florida, uh, there were offers for uh, help, uh, and, and again, this you know, brings out these, these disasters, you know, bring out the best in people. And we have just such wonderful people around who, who want to help. And uh, our administrators are the best. Um, and, and they did that on their own. I mean, that wasn't, you know, the, the conference didn't have to, you know, get involved and, and uh, didn't have to prompt anyone. <clears throat> you know, the schools made these offers. Um, and, you know, Rice had a, a number of offers as well when they came back from Australia and ultimately uh, went to TCU where I think, uh, you know, I think the, uh, the TCU athletic director had once been the Rice athletic director. Um, so, again, uh, not surprised, uh, but extremely gratified that everyone was willing to help. And uh, still a lot of work to do. You know, that's the one thing. We don't want to forget about these situations because the, uh, the people victimized by this are going to still need ongoing help. And we're going to continue all season to make sure that on our telecast we alert people that you, you still need to help out. There's, you know, opportunities to contribute and let's not forget what uh, what everyone went through in uh, in both Texas and uh, in Florida. And with with South Florida, kind of a, a blessing in disguise is the fact that they started their season very very early when they faced the San Jose State Spartans. So they have already played three games, despite the fact that the game at Connecticut 
was was canceled for the time being uh, when it was supposed to be the third game of the season for the team. Just what you can say about the situation in South Florida because they got to kind of usher in the college football season this season for 2017 and getting that game in really early against San Jose State didn't put them too far off of where they needed to be. Just what you could say about their situation and getting started early, how that kind of helped them out. Well, yes, they, um, you know, obviously um, they uh, they had a bye week early on, and they actually have three byes because of the uh, uh, the San Jose State situation. Uh, and obviously they, they were able to play that game, the Stony Brook game, and ultimately they were able to play the Illinois game, and it was very, very dicey as to whether they could play the Illinois game. You know, we didn't know what the impact would be. Tampa, Dan, got spared uh, a bit from what was expected. Uh, Orlando was hit by a fair amount of wind, but neither place uh, bore the brunt. I think I think the eastern part of Florida, in many ways, Jacksonville, was hit harder in terms of wind and flooding. You know, the east side of these hurricanes are always the worst. And... Uh, so by virtue of that, the Illinois game, plans were being made to either play the game at Illinois uh, or, uh, you know, obviously if uh, things got really dire, you know, obviously the, the team would not have been able to get up there. Uh, you know, one of the problems you have, Dan, is the teams, you know, that they send their players home and, and the administrators home to be with their families because obviously you want to be with your families in times like this and you want to be able to help out. And, and, you know, getting them back and getting them, you know, in, in, in to be able to practice and all is very hard. That's why UCF couldn't do that until almost the end of the week and therefore really couldn't play that Georgia Tech game. Uh, so both UCF and USF, uh, you know, had uh, impact from the storm. And in USF's case, they, they were able to get their non-conference games in. The Illinois game went off, you know, without a hitch. Um, but I also think, Dan, I would add that, again, not playing the games that weren't played was, was absolutely the right move. You know, you had a state of emergency. You had people preparing for the storm. You had the governor closing down various parts. Uh, I think pretty much the entire areas that were affected or that were going to be in the path of the storm, campuses were closed. It just would have been inappropriate to play games. And, you know, Houston, the UTSA game, that was a, uh, they obviously didn't want to lose a game but felt they had no choice. You know, the players' uh, families had suffered tremendously with the storm. Uh, there was a lot of dislocation. There was just no way it would have been appropriate to play that game either. So uh, decisions were correct, uh, and then it's a question of trying to reschedule games. Uh, you can reschedule some. You can't reschedule others. And when you look at that, speaking with, with the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco, Mike, to to look at a situation like Houston making the decision that you know the game that they had against uh, – UTSA is a game that they're not going to be rescheduling this season against uh, the University of Texas San Antonio Roadrunners. So that leaves Houston with 11 games. Is there, you know, as the commissioner of the conference, is there still, you know, a way of trying to navigate and figure things out to, to try and get Houston another game to maybe play another conference game you know, add one of those to the schedule. I mean, how how do you navigate that as the commissioner, knowing that there are some teams out there like Houston that only has 11 games on their schedule instead of 12 right now? Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know whether Houston will be able to make up that game. I doubt they will be able to. Uh, they uh, and, and I don't know that they can get another game, you know, at this point to, to fill in for it. Uh, the UTS... 
you know, they thought about trying to play it, you know, later in the, you know, in the year, perhaps on championship Saturday, if Houston and UTSA were not in their respective championship games, but uh, that wasn't a good alternative because if Houston or UTSA ends up in the championship game, the game isn't played. So you have a game that's basically a contingency, and that's not really a good situation. So ultimately, they decided to reschedule the game for future years. Uh, playing 11 games will will have an impact, perhaps. Uh, we hope not. We hope the if, if uh, our teams and we have some really good teams, and Houston's one of them, are in college football playoff or uh, you know New Year's New Year's Six contention. We hope that the uh, the committee will understand what happened and, and be uh, be very understanding of that. Um, and and really, uh, there's um, you know we we had to we made a as you know Dan we made a tremendous effort to reschedule the conference games because those uh, were more important. Uh, obviously, your conference race is critical, and to have uh, some teams that had not played the full eight conference games meant that uh, you could have a a very uh, tough situation vis-a-vis the tiebreaker. You know, if it came to that, you could have a team that's seven and one. You could have a team that's six and one, and the six and one team perhaps could even beat the seven one team, but didn't play the extra game. You know, at that point, our rules are that the highest winning percentage of the eight games is is the win- you know that's the team that wins. And uh, in this particular case, you could argue that uh, that you're penalizing a team for not being able to play a game that they simply couldn't play. And there would have been, I think, a, a spirited debate about whether, you know, you use head-to-head or you use percentage. So I'm glad we didn't didn't come to that. I think we're going to have to look at that down the road because someday there might be some games that simply can't be played. But our conference was absolutely determined to get those two conference games rescheduled if possible. I wasn't sure we could do it. I really thought that uh, – it was a long shot because there's just so many things that have to happen, but we were able to get them rescheduled. But the non-conference games, you know, some of the schools are, are you know, our are, are schools, uh, because the bye dates might sync up with a team that needs a game, a team that lost a game, perhaps there's, uh, you know, another way to, to do it, are looking, you know, to see if they can schedule a game. Like UCF has only 10 games right now, and they're definitely looking to try to schedule a, an 11th game. I mean, nobody wants to end up with 10 games. Um but that's the situation we're faced with, and uh, we'll try to deal with it. And like you said, with making sure that you can make up the conference schedule games and uh, the Sunday game that'll be going on with with UConn in, in East Carolina, just just what you can say about how the institutions responded to you know these ideas and these these situations, because you know the coaches seem like hey, you know they're for it. Uh, Scotty Montgomery of East Carolina obviously you know was talking about appreciating the fact of trying to get it done and, and you want to do it within your means but you want to make sure that you know you can accommodate and whatnot so just just what you could say the reaction of these institutions has been in the conference to make these things happen and say you know okay we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we get this game in so let's do this game on a Sunday and let's you know bring this here and let's move this over there just what you could say about some of these teams that's and the institutions that have agreed with the conference to ad lib a little bit and maybe they have to do a little bit extra work on their side and have a little bit more preparation and things might not run the way that they originally thought they would you know, Connecticut and East Carolina will have a shorter week after the game played on the 24th. But just what you could say about how they responded to the opportunities. Well, they responded magnificently. I, 
uh, and I'm not engaging in hyperbole here, I have never been prouder of, of our schools and, and our conference. Um, I, um, you know, they, they had to show a willingness to make sacrifices in their schedules. You know, this involves seven teams, uh, and they did it for the greater good of the conference. You know, if you look at the schedules, and some of the teams that, that weren't involved in this had to take part, uh, and they, um, they have schedules that you could argue are somewhat less favorable than they were, uh, but they were willing to do that. Uh, any one of them could have said no, and we wouldn't have forced anyone to do anything. Uh, but in fact, they, they looked to the greater good of the conference. And I, I told them that I thought they brought tremendous credit and honor to the conference, and it redounds to them as well. There's no question that um, you know this was a hard process, but they were all uh, totally engaged and willing, and many of them called me and said, look, we'll do whatever it takes if, if you can get something that's reasonable. Now, I also want to commend our staff. I've got a great, experienced staff. Scott Draper, who's our associate, uh, senior associate commissioner for, for football, Tom O'Jackson on the TV side, uh, you know, uh, Mike Costa, who works with Scott, um, Eric Ziotti, who is our chief financial officer, who had to do a lot of work with insurance and other financial aspects of this. They all got the schedules, uh, which I wasn't sure they could do, to be honest. You know, this is a hard thing. It's one thing when you have common buys. Last year we had two games lost, but we had common buys, and that's a miracle. That almost never happens when t both teams have the same buy date. But it did happen last year. It didn't this year. Uh, but what they did is they worked with our computer uh, specialist. Um, I, think, I think he's out in Colorado who helps us with our schedule. You know, when schedules are done, Dan, you have countless numbers of computer models that have to be you know, uh, put forth. Uh, that's just the way it works. You know, schedules are very complex. And they came up with changes that could, you know, could work. Now, I think I, I think they ended up with several, but we had to reject uh, most because uh, they just created a situation that was competitively unfair. For instance, a team would end up with three or four road games in a row or things of that nature. Uh, buy dates wouldn't, you know, would, would uh, one team would have a buy, another wouldn't. Uh, on perhaps a couple of occasions, and that wouldn't work. Uh, there were other situations where there was stadium availability issues. Uh, there were charter issues. There were hotel room issues, ticket issues, all sorts of things. But they finally, you know, they came up with one schedule that we, we thought could work, but it was going to take a lot of moves, and it was going to take a lot of buy-in from the schools. And uh, sure enough, they work with us. Uh, we, we probably made thousand or more calls between us all maybe more and we just were on the phone constantly for five days trying to figure this out because you know the UConn uh, ECU game there wasn't a lot of time and they had to work out you know um, charters and other kinds of things and the games on Sunday because uh, the Saturday date was unavailable because of an MLS soccer game that's being televised so uh, but the UConn was able to figure out a way to do it on, on Sunday and I give David Benedict again and Scott, uh, uh, Jeff Comfort, ECU, a lot of credit, but all our ADs and, 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 and coaches. And the coaches had to buy into this, Dan. You know, it's one thing for an AD to say, yeah, I think that might work, and then, you know, has to go to the coach, and the coach can say, just this is just going to, you know, have a, you know, a deleterious impact on our schedule. It's, it's not, you know, competitively it could have an impact. And, and, and they could have said no, and they didn't. And that's why, again, I could not be prouder of what they did, because they did put the greater good, getting these two conference games in, and that was the goal from the very beginning. They put that ahead of everything. And if you look at the schedules, the evidence is right there. This is not, I'm not just saying this. You know, it really is real. 
they, they made these sacrifices to, to get this schedule together. I think if anyone had any doubts that we were a cohesive conference, and, you know, we went through a lot last year with all that Big 12 stuff, and, you know, we've had, you know, this was a, a, a disparate group of schools starting five years ago, but they've really come together, and they've really become a conference, and, and uh, you know, that was evident several years ago, but it was really proved out in this process. So I, I couldn't be happier, but I'm telling you, logistically, Dan, it was daunting. There were just so many issues, as I mentioned. Uh, you know, when you've got multiple moves like that, and then, you know, we had to, obviously, TV was uh, something we tried to work out. It wouldn't have been the decisive factor, but we, we managed, I think, to work out a pretty good TV situation. Competitive balance was, was still important. We didn't want to, again, put forth schedules that were really going to be too onerous on anyone. Um, and then, of course, all the... Um, ability to practice, uh, you know, teams had to have that ability, uh, again, stadium availability, uh, hotel rooms, tickets, charter, all that stuff became, um, you know, these were hurdles that you had to get through. Now, fortunately, we were able to, but it all comes down to the willingness of the schools, you know, the, the coaches and the ADs to do what was necessary, and they did it. Speaking here with the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco, about scheduling changes, camaraderie within the conference, and the strength of the American Athletic Conference in a time of great need and in a time of, you know, obviously family coming first and safety coming first and trying to figure things out from there. Uh, I spoke with Scott Frost this week, and he said, listen, you know, uh, we were offered the opportunity to play at Georgia Tech. He said it, it just wasn't feasible. It didn't make sense. It wasn't because the game was at Georgia Tech. It was because, like you had said, Mike, the uh, you know they had sent the players home to be with their families. They would have had to have a day of travel. So he's like, essentially, we would have had one day to prepare for the game, one day to practice for the game. So I, I know you spoke on UCF trying to find some way to not end the season with 10 games, maybe get to 11. But is there a sense of normalcy again, a, a sense of calmness, to a certain extent, again, because despite what might have happened in non-conference scheduling, your teams will all play their eight games inside of the American Athletic Conference. Memphis and UCF were able to work something out for September 30th, so each of these teams will have equal games in the conference and equal opportunity to show their worth in the conference en route to the American Athletic Conference championship football game. So is there a sense of normalcy in that extent, that each of these teams are still going to play eight games, they're still going to play their schedule this year in the conference, do you feel that, that that's kind of lifted some of this weight off the shoulders of these institutions? Well, there's no question about it. It's, it's very important that, that everyone plays the eight conference games. Look, the, losing the, the non-conference games could have an impact uh, on, on bowl eligibility, uh, and we hope that if, if there's a, a a close situation that we can per perhaps get some relief from uh, the NCAA, but that that there's impact there. Also, the college football playoff. We, we're not sure uh, if we have some teams contending, and we have five really strong undefeated teams right now. So we think we'll have some contenders for that, either the CFP or the New Year's Six. And if that's the case, you know, not having played that extra game, you know, they call it the data point. I I, I really don't like that term to be honest with you. You know, it's 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 too technical far as I'm concerned, you know, calling, calling a game a data point. But the point is it's used a lot, and that's okay. But uh, they, they wouldn't have that additional game. And I'm hoping that that ultimately is, 
is if, if our team is worthy and our team is, is the team that ought to be there, that that's not held against them. But we know that there, there'll be some residual impact there, but it's much more important in the end for the integrity of our league, the integrity of our race, to have everyone play eight games. And as I said, there would have been a, uh, you know, a spirited debate uh, on the tiebreaker, which I'm glad we, we avoided, and I think we can take it up now in the off season for the future. Uh, if we had, if we did lose some games, uh, I do believe that the SEC. I, I could be wrong, Dan, but I think the SEC made some changes to their tiebreaker, or at least had some put some contingencies in on their tiebreaker in, in view of what happened to them last year. But we will probably look at that and see whether we want to have uh, a different tiebreaker. Uh, if, if some teams are short a game, conference game, or whether we want to lose the highest winning percentage, you know, wins the uh, the conference of your of your eight games. So that's you know that's a factor that uh, going forward we're going to have to examine. But in the end, yes, there, there's a feeling now that we're we're whole again. But again, you know, as you go through the schedule, there were some changes that are going to have an impact as on teams. But I think everybody, the reason I'm, I'm confident that it'll be you know, uh, relatively smooth as we move forward. Again, assuming we don't have any other weather situations, you know, there's these other hurricanes out there, you just never know. But the point is, if we don't, we know that everybody's going to play the eight games, and, you know, we, uh, while there were some changes and people had to move things around, uh, everybody bought in, everybody was satisfied, no one will complain, and I think we'll, uh, we'll just now have to see how things play out. That coming from the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco. Mike, in closing, I kind of want to open the floor to you. I mean, you and I have discussed the scheduling changes, the camaraderie of the conference, institutions around the country and conferences around the country being helpful and open. Tom Herman, who went to Texas, opening his doors to his former team, Houston. We've talked, we've spoken on, you know, obviously trying to figure out the shuffling of schedules and going through the computers to see what works. I wanted to leave this as, as kind of an address from you in closing of what you want to say about the situation that happened with the storms coming off of it, being the leader of this conference, the closeness of the conference, whatever you would like to say in closing about the American Athletic and what you've taken away from the situation that ensued over the past few weeks with storms and movement and, and safety and, and obviously you know some kids being taken away from their families to be with the team because it was the best decision to make. And then other, you know, kids that were able to go home and whatnot, just your overall experience of this as a commissioner and, and what you took away from it. Well, first I'm glad that for the most part, uh, our, our schools and our teams came through it, uh, you know, safely. And that's really important. Uh, we're thinking of them still because a lot of them have families that have to rebuild, and, and so we're, we're obviously not forgetting them. I uh, also want to extend a thank you to everyone who helped us. Uh, there was an, just an outpouring around the country to help our schools and to help other schools and other conferences that were uh, suffered impact also. You know, there were SEC schools. There were other schools in Texas from other conferences and, and uh, in Florida as well. I mean, look at F. FIU and, and other schools in Miami, Florida State, uh, Florida, other schools had, you know, were affected as well. And then I should mention, and I didn't, and it was an oversight, I should mention the, the, the non-conference schools that helped us, you know, UMass, Maine, and Georgia State. Without their uh, cooperation, and it was terrific, 
this couldn't have been done because we obviously had to sacrifice those non-conference games in order to, to juggle our schedule. And we were able to work out reasonable uh, terms financially and otherwise. And, and the, the attitude of, of those schools was, how can we help? How can we help you? And uh, as long as within it's, it's within reason. And, and they were just magnificent, as I said, you know, as I talked about our own schools. They were the same. They were great. And, and you know, it's, you know Ryan Bamford, you know, Carlton Creech, uh, Charlie Cobb, uh, at Georgia State, Carlton's at Maine, and uh, Ryan's at, at UMass. Without their help, uh, this couldn't have happened either. So again, just a, kudos to our schools, our, our ADs, our presidents, our coaches, and also, again, uh, heartfelt thanks to everyone who helped because this was an unprecedented situation. I don't think we've, we've seen this at all over the years, and uh, we hope we don't see it again, obviously, but, uh, you know, uh, proud of the way uh, people dealt with it. And again, thanks for having me, Dan. And I appreciate you know, uh, uh, you know, I have my uh, my Wednesday staff meetings, and you always manage to wrap up just in time. And I much appreciate that. And I appreciate the, the chance to talk to you. You're always well informed. Uh, you know, you're always involved with us. I know you're on the calls with the coaches, and uh, appreciate the coverage of our conference. It's, it's terrific, and uh, we uh, appreciate it very much. Well, I appreciate your time, Mike, and if anybody's going to weather the storm, you know, let it be somebody that, you know, I have a tremendous amount of respect for who's weathered many storms over the years. So, you know, thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for keeping family first throughout this process. I know that, you know, I speak for a lot of people in saying that we appreciate that there was care for something bigger than football when all of this went down, and, and I want to thank you for that. Well, it, it, it's, it's, that would be expected of us. You know, we have to make sure that, that families and safety and the kids and, and again, their, their families come first, and that's what, what happened here, and that's what should happen. And, uh, again, uh, down the road, I hope that we don't have to face these things again, but, you know, you never know. That coming from Mike Oresco. Mike, as always, you know, God bless today and always. Enjoy your meetings, and, and I'm sure we'll be talking very soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Dan. Have a good week. Right, take, take care. care. Thank you. Thank you. That coming from Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, live on the line, speaking with me about having to ad-lib. Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Harvey did a lot of damage, and they put a lot of people in harm's way. My hope and my prayers is that those that were in harm's way and those who have had their house damaged, their business damaged, or whatever has gone on in their lives that they can rebuild with the grace of God, the power of God, and the appreciation of one another. So I want to thank the conference for what they did to make things right to the best of their ability and what they continue to do to make things right to the best of their ability. I want to commend Mike Oresco for his work and his efforts as well as his entire staff of the American Athletic Conference. And I want to thank the schools of Houston, the schools of USF and UCF and ECU and UConn and, and, and everybody. I mean, I would be re, I would definitely be remiss if I didn't thank Cincinnati Temple as well as Navy and Memphis, SMU, Tulsa, and Tulane. I mean, each and every one of these schools navigated through this thing together. I know SMU, I spoke with Chad Morris about it, the head coach of the football team. So, you know, I, I really just want to give my best to them and to all the conferences around the country and that were affected. And, you know, I always thought Tom Herman to be to be a, a pretty good guy, you know, and a nice guy. And, and him and I always had fun speaking on the teleconferences. He was always a consummate professional and, 
and and I really enjoyed that time. And for him to open his doors, for him to leave Houston for Texas, you know, there's going to be some bitterness <clears throat> no matter how you slice it with some people. And when everything happened, he opened his doors to the Houston team and, and said, you know, you can come here. You could feel safe here. And for the University of Texas to welcome that decision, for Tom Herman to want to make that decision, you know, it, it says a lot about his character. It says a lot about the university. And, you know, it, it just it goes a long way. So for Tom Herman to reach back and say, Houston, I still love you. You know, I mean, that, that, that sign was, was shown so very brightly and spotlit when he made the move to say, hey, Houston, you can come, you can come here and you can be safe with us here. And, you know, for, for Rice and, and, and for everything, you know, all the universities and colleges that got involved, I just want to spread my thanks and my appreciation for what you've done and to the commissioner, Mike Oresco, for taking some time to be on the broadcast I was speaking with the coaches earlier this week about scheduling changes, and uh, it brought up the opportunity of having Mike on. And, and Mike is, is, you know, I love the fact that there's a commissioner overseeing an entire conference, 12 institutions in football, and then obviously you add in Wichita State and whatnot outside of football. You look at all the work that he does and how busy he is and everything he has and how hard he goes at it every single day to try and do something good for this country and good for these kids and not just good for the conference and good for money, but good for people's lives and their futures and their presence in general. And he always makes himself available to be on the show. And if, if that isn't a compliment, I don't know what is. And I, you know, the pleasure is all mine. So I appreciate it. Thank you to Mike Oresco. We'll take a step aside for a fast break. We'll come back with a one-on-one extensive conversation with Floyd Little that you cannot afford to miss a second of. So you better strap it in, okay? Go to the bathroom, do what you got to do, get your cereal, get your popcorn ready, in in Terrell Owens' words. So Terrell Owens likes popcorn, and, and so does Pennywise the Clown. I don't know if there's a connection, but there could be. So we'll take a step aside for a fast break. We're coming back with Floyd Little. You don't want to miss this. Can't wait. Coming up in just a moment, but not before you hear from these phenomenal, phenomenal companies that I am so very blessed to work alongside in central and upstate New York. This is a wake-up call fast break. Gear up with the real deal at Dreisig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DreisigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu, but we'd be here forever. So let me say this, Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. 
What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. The name Leeson Staggerwald is synonymous with Central New York with over 80 years of service to the community. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown is your butcher, grocery, pub, and deli located on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. Minutes from the Carrier Dome and your perfect pre-gaming headquarters with Rob Drummond and myself, Dan Tortora, two hours before home games. Leeson Staggerwald Downtown, where you can dine in, take out, pre-game up on the hill with their meats or pre-game inside their walls. Lee's and Staggerwald downtown, a unique experience for every single fan and every member of the community with over eight decades of service. They're open Monday from 10.30 a.m. to 3 p.m., Tuesday through Thursday from 10.30 a.m. to 8 p.m., Friday 10.30 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday noon to 9 p.m., and closed on Sunday on 117 East Fayette Street in Syracuse, New York. The Penn and Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Penn and Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Penn and Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Happy to have you here on the broadcast every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And, of course, happy to have you here today on September 20th of the great year of 2017. May God continue to bless 2017. Quick note here for Hurricane Maria. With all due respect, Maria, please go back in the water. Stay away from everyone. All things, all places, all people, place, and things. Please do not affect anyone's life in a bad way. And please do not put anyone in harm's way. I know you're powerful. I know that you are a natural beauty of, you know, just things that create themselves within our universe. However... I would love to look at you from afar and not have you take the lives, the homes, or anything from any of these people. And also a a very, very uh, heartfelt message to Mexico. Uh, we, We love you. We respect you. We appreciate you. We thank you for... All of the good people of, of Mexico that have worked so diligently and so hard to do good in their lives. You know, I think Mexico has all these stereotypes that are very unfortunate. So, you know, may we all just say a quick, uh, before we get into Floyd Little, if you'd oblige me to say a quick prayer for Mexico and for everybody affected by the earthquake, including America, of course. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, please watch over all of us. For those of us that have gone through an earthquake, or a hurricane, or a tornado, or in anything that has gone on naturally, uh, monsoon, mudslide, ice storm, loss of power, whatever it may be, for anything that we have gone through over the years, including what we are going through right now, as well as any breakups that are happening, divorces that are happening, to loss of job, to not making enough money, to not doing a job that we love and we appreciate, to trying to have kids and maybe struggling to do that, to an animal being sick or a person in our family being sick, to cancer and, and AIDS and HIV and, and anything that can affect us and, you know, a lot of these things out of our control. God, please help us to not try and control each other. Help us not to push to control things that we cannot control and waste our energy on that. And please help us to not waste our energy on negative people and negative situations, stressful people, stressful situations. If somebody in our life is trying to cause us pain or harm, may we have the courage to tell them that that's not okay. And may we have the courage to make the moves after that to not kick that person out of our lives, but to be strong enough, smart enough, brave enough, and love ourselves enough to not allow that person to dictate to us how we feel that day or any other day. So it is my prayer and my hope that those of us that are going through any type of turmoil right now find peace, find love, and find satisfaction in the hug of another, the kiss of another, the kind word of another, but more importantly and most importantly, since we can't control that either, may we find love inside of our own heart, our mind, our soul, and our body. May we be good to ourselves, may we give the best that we possibly can, and may we know that God's got our back. So please, God, have our back with all of this stuff, whether we can control it or not. In Jesus' name, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Those of you of other denominations or, you know, that don't do the sign of the cross or whatever. Uh, obviously, I meant no uh, offense to you. I think that's crazy. <laughs> so it's just that's how I pray. But obviously, a prayer is a prayer, and a prayer is, is always sent up to the big guy, and I know that he answers them. So God, may you answer these today, and I love you in Jesus' name. With that being said, I am more than elated and proud and thankful and very excited to have Floyd Little back on the show because he's awesome friend of mine, somebody I've known for years, and the first conversation that we had extensively alone was a two-hour conversation sitting in his office. It's one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life, and it was some of the greatest words somebody's ever told me. So to Floyd Little, thank you, sir, and good morning. Good morning. How are you, Dan? Good to be with you. Good to be with you as well, Floyd. And uh, Floyd, this is, it's it's sad news, but it's happy news you and I shot a video over a year ago. Well, I don't want to say a year ago. I want to say, um, you know, it was. It was. It was about a, a little over a year ago. We shot a video when you were getting ready to head back to Vegas. And I told you my grandmother's birthday was coming up. Birthday was December 15th. And we we shot the video. I held on to it. And then at, off of that video, I got a bunch of family and friends to do their own videos and put your video in this collage for her, for her 100th birthday. She made it to a hundred, a hundred and a half. 
and uh, and she passed away actually later on uh, this this past June. So you know it's it's sad that she's not here, but she made it to a hundred and and her me- and your message to her meant meant a lot to her. So I just wanted to start the show off by first and foremost saying thank you for for being a part of that and taking some time to to show some love to the best person I've ever known. Well, I appreciate that, Dan. I remember doing it in, in my office uh, when you asked me if I would send out a message, and I was very happy to. And uh, and you have my condolences for your for your grandmother. Thank you. I appreciate that. I know. I know she's. I know she's up there smiling. I know she's up there saying, "Hey, Floyd." Ernie says, "What's up?" So I know she's yeah, doing that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, with that being said, you and I haven't haven't spoken really too much on, uh, you know, Coach Mack at this point. And I, I didn't have an opportunity to be around Coach Mack when he was coaching the team. I did have an opportunity to see him over the years in the press box. And more recently, I got the opportunity of he was he was walking out and there was no interview, no nothing. He was, you know, he was in his wheelchair. He was coming out of the press box. And I went over to him and I said, Hi, Coach Mack. I said, I just wanted to say hello. How you doing? He shook my hand. He said, I'm good. And he said, how are you? I said, I'm good. And then he looked at me and he said, now you have a good night. And he waved to me and he smiled. And I asked Rob Drummond about him. And, and Rob was like, that was him. He was like, he was always that like sweet man. So what do you remember about Coach Mack? Well, you know, I he always, you know, when he was uh, mobile, he used to come through the field house a lot and come by the office. And all he would say is, thanks for saving our jobs. Thanks for saving our job. Well, Mac, Mac went to Denver the same time I went. And Denver was on the verge of uh, moving either to uh, Chicago or Alabama. Uh, and uh, they signed me. And uh, Mac claims that I saved the franchise. He's one of the guys that called me the franchise. And Denver didn't move and became one of the greatest teams in the National Football League. But he used to just say, Floyd, thanks for saving my job, and keep walking. Just, <laughs> that's all he would say. But I've known Mac for many years. Of course, you know, he was with me when I went to the Broncos. Obviously, he must have been on the staff with uh, Lou Saban when he was at Maryland. And when Saban took the job at the Broncos, and I was the number one draft pick, when the whole the whole coaching staff wanted to pick Gene Upshaw, uh, having played against uh, the coach when he was at Maryland with Zonka, me, and, and, and uh, Coughlin, uh, we ripped and tore him up pretty good. And at the end of that year, the Broncos hired him as a coach. And <clears throat> he remembered my performance against him and uh, overrode all of the other coaches and drafted me. Uh, and he said, because they drafted me, I saved their job. So uh, Mac was a good friend, a personal friend. Uh, I mean, he and I had known each other from 1967. So I, I got great respect for Mac. And I was very pleased when he went into the College Hall of Fame. So uh, he's a good man, and he was a good man, I should say, and he was well respected, and all of the players loved him. I just could not uh, say enough about by Coach Mack. Uh, Green was just in total tears when he's walking out of the chapel. I flew back for the, the services, and I saw uh, defensive end Green. He was just so emotional. And I can understand it. He really touched his soul, if you will. But it was a good service, and there was a lot of great people there. Doug Marone was there, and a lot of former coaches was there. 
And it was just great to see uh, all of the coaches come back and pay their respects to one of the greats. And Coach Mack was one of the greats. Speaking here with Floyd Little, Syracuse Orange, great, and uh, living legend, as I always call him. Floyd, when when you look back on those moments and, and you look back at Syracuse history, you were on site for the honoring of the 1987 team. And in the honoring of that team, you know, Don McPherson and Michael Owens and 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 company came Rob Drummond came back. You know, a bunch of guys were on the field for that. And I had an opportunity to speak with Michael again, speak with Donnie again, and, and obviously Rob's one of my best friends. So we had a show right before he went to the honoring ceremony. When you look back on, on 1987 and the last time Syracuse was undefeated, 11-0-1, you know, it was 30 years ago. But what can – kind of a two-part question. What can you say about the 87 team as a whole under Coach Mack? And then secondly, how can the current team learn from the old team? Well, I don't know. They says. 30 years apart, but most of these kids weren't even born. But I can tell you that I was at the game in uh, Sugar Bowl against Auburn when uh, we had a chance to win that game and should have won it. And uh, he had a great team and great players. I've always thought that McPherson, Don McPherson, was one of the best quarterbacks we've ever had. And every time I see him, I saw him when he was drafted by Philadelphia and they traded him to, to Houston. I thought he had some great preseason games and I just today can't ever figure out why he didn't make it in the National Football League he was a great great quarterback and I have all the respect in the world for who he is and what he is and what he's done uh, not just for the football team but for Syracuse University so I have a lot of respect for him and as far as on the other side of it I mean Syracuse honors 1987 former head coach and defensive coordinator Scott Schaefer comes back Syracuse loses the game, Scott wins the game. How do you kind of look at that situation? Because you were there in the in the in the transfer of power from Scott Schaefer to Dino Babers. So can you can you find some connection? I mean, is there a conversation with Scott before or after the game? Is is there any you know positivity back and forth? Because obviously it's a tough decision to make when you're sitting on a staff and deciding, do we keep this person? Do we move to another chapter? So how how was that? Was there any interaction when Scott came back? Well, no, I didn't talk to Scott. I saw Shariki, the linebacker, walked out on the field and said hello to him. Scott was already gone, but uh, I can't explain or defend the kind of game that we had. We were out of sync. When we didn't get in first and goal on the four-yard line, when we get a safety, we drop a punt, uh, we miss a field goal. I mean, there was so much going on that it's just hard to explain. I mean, this was not the kind of team that was building. I mean, uh, our quarterback was poor guy. He was trying to pick the whole game on his own shoulders, do it it himself. And we didn't utilize a lot of the skills that we have. We were just out of sync. Bottom line, we were out of sync. And uh, that happens sometimes. There's no way that Middle Tennessee should be able to beat Syracuse University, but they did, and it happens. And the thing that we have to do is move on. We have to put that aside. If you can, it's easier said than done. But we have to put that game aside and start preparing for Central Michigan, who's undefeated, who has a great team. But uh, this, you know, it was one of those things where our guys was not in sync. 
uh, they made mistakes. They, you know, didn't do the kinds of things that they can do. Uh, it was, it's, it's really clear that we certainly need, need a running back. And I think this Chris, Chris Elmo could do the job. He's a freshman out of, uh, out of Chicago. But I think uh, we have to do a better job on preparing ourselves for these games. But there's nothing we can do on this one. Yeah, when you, and when you look at, you know, Dino, obviously this is somebody that you believed in yourself, uh, Herm Frazier, and bringing him in. He is working hard to turn something around that has taken a long time to to turn the corner. There were some positives with Doug Marone. There were some moments with Schaefer here and there. But Dino is, is ultimately trying to really turn this corner that's been hard for Syracuse to turn. What can you say about you know, because I always look beyond wins and losses, and you know that. I don't just look at, okay, well, this is the coach's record, and this is how you have to, you know, critique him, and, and that's it. I see so much more than that. So what do you see in Dino Babers from year one into year two? He's only a few games in, but what are you taking away from the leader of, of Syracuse's current football era? Oh, no question about this is the best and the right coach uh, at the right time. We just have to be a little patient, let him do what he does. When he gets the kind of players he needs to work in the system, I mean, everywhere this guy's been, he's been a success. He just can't come to Syracuse and lay down. This guy is a very serious and committed coach. Uh, I don't know how many coaches I've met that is more committed than Dino. I just think if they just allow him an opportunity to do what he needs to do, he'll get it done. I mean, I, I believe that Dino is the right coach, and uh, we'll get the job done, and we'll turn this this uh, football team around. Uh, just a matter of time. He just got to get the kind of players he needs, and he can't do it in a year. So let's give him a little opportunity to, to build a team to what it could be. Uh, we saw glimpses of greatness. There will be even more. Uh, he just don't have the players that he needs for the kind of system he wants. So he'll build it up, and he'll he'll be competitive, and he'll be successful. Believe me. What makes you believe in Dino as a leader? What is it about his personality, his character, the way he approaches the job? What makes you so confident in in Dino? Because I, I don't I don't disagree at all that this is a man who is capable, but what makes you believe he's capable? Because if I were coaching, that would be me. You have Dino is, is, is the same person I am. Same background, military background, same level of success over a period of time, but you can't do it all by himself. I just know who he is, what he is. I mean, this guy's got 30-plus guys in the National Football League. He just don't have the right players he needs. He just needs some time to build a class where he can start showing what he can do. I, I think he'd be very successful if Syracuse University just has some patience and the fans at Syracuse have some patience and let him do what he does. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvelanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. 
Manja, wake up call listeners. No, seriously, eat up at Manja Italian Grill. Open six days a week, Tuesday through Sunday at 2 Oswego Street in Baldensville, right on the Seneca River. Every Thursday is game show night from 7 to 9 p.m. hosted by Dan Tortora with live music every weekend. Join us every Sunday for brunch at 10 a.m. and don't forget to try our famous Lobster Bloody Mary. Call us at 315-638-8500 for reservations, parties, and catering, or visit us at manjabeville.com. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. Drysiglady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, drysiglady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in Drysig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady. Com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrySigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. Green's Ale House and Grill, located on 104 West Bridge Street in Oswego, New York, is your home for all the games all the time, Sunday through Saturday, no matter what the sport is. It's also your home of Wingmaster Jabber, who's constantly in the kitchen creating wings that have won awards, and you love to eat every single day of the week. At Green's, you'll also find the Wake Up Call with Dan Tatora live on location coaches show, exclusively dedicated to the Oswego State Lakers' numerous sports programs. There's only one place to go in Oswego, and that is Green's Ale House and Grill, 104 West Bridge Street in Oswego, New York. We'll see you there. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. The Market Diner prides itself on bringing the local community fresh ingredients that are better than going elsewhere. Open for breakfast, served all day, lunch and dinner with daily specials. The Market Diner is located at the Regional Market on Park Street, right across from Destiny, USA. For takeout, call 315-474-5247. The Market Diner. Local. Fresh. Better. 
Floyd, you said about the fans in the past at Syracuse, you know, t- season tickets are $99, you know, get them now and, you know, get them while they are so inexpensive and, and be a part of the change. When you go into the Dome and, and you see that some people listen to you, but still some people have not, what would be your your words of encouragement to the central and upstate New York community on coming out to the games and supporting a team and, and filling the dome. I mean, it's been a long time since the dome has been full. What can you say about what the community needs to know kind of moving forward? Well, I don't know. They haven't filled the dome in, like you said, many, many moons. I, I don't know that they filled it when Donovan McNabb was a, was a quarterback. If you go back and look at the history of uh, fan support, it hasn't been that great. But uh, I just say just give Dino some time. Let the fans have some patience. I know that they're, they're not patient and they've waited a long time. But you can't, you know, turn things around overnight. you got to say, hey, let's just be supportive. Let's be the kind of fans we were in the 70s and the 80s. And, let's, and that's who's coming to support the, support the team. The, the people from uh, from the 70s and 80s are, are the, the base of our fans. We just got to get younger people out and more families out and then just just support a team that uh, you know have a whole lot of things in Syracuse to support. This football team is going to be a good football team. Just got to give them some time. Is it when you look back on your time and all the support you had from the fan base and then the lack thereof in the current era of Syracuse football, you know, I remember, and I say it all the time on the show, I, I remember being at the game uh, not too long ago. I mean, I, I was a teenager, and I was sitting next to my dad at a Pittsburgh game, and we're sitting behind the field, one of the field goals at one of the goalposts, and I'm talking to my dad, and I can't hear him. And he was sitting right next to me, and I could not hear him. And he looked at me, and he was like, wait until everybody stops cheering. And, right. you know, and, and I remember those days. I mean, is it is it just wins? that has, has cast people away? I mean, or, or, or what is it? Because I remember not too long ago not being able to hear my own father and having to read his lips. And I feel, even though it wasn't a long time ago, it, the, as time goes by, it feels like it's 80 years ago and I'm only 31 years old. Well, it, it is the wins. I mean, when I went to the Denver Broncos, we won one game my first year. The fans, when we, went, when we uh, had a, an away game, we come back to the airport. There's 10,000 people waiting for us after we just got beat by the Kansas City Chiefs or the Oakland Raiders. There were fans always there, win or lose. And all they would ever say was, we'll get the next one. We'll get the next one. I can still remember those games uh, at the airport coming back after one of the worst loss we ever had. But they were fans. Now they have a team that's one of the best teams in the National Football League. But they never gave up on the team. And they just supported them uh, every game. They were there every game. They, the Broncos have the most sellouts of any team in the National Football League. They still have a 17,000 waiting list. I looked at the game last night or Monday night. The fans, it, it was packed. And it has always been that way. And you just have to just hold tight and support the team. Win or loss, it's not all about the wins. It's about your team supporting your team and hoping for a win every week. I mean, that's that's what fans do. Fans have players that they like, enjoy. Uh, our teams are involved with our community. And they do things for the community. 
I think the community should should support the team regardless of whether they win or they lose. It's 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 your team. Come on, support them. That coming from Floyd Little, Syracuse and NFL living legend. Floyd, be, before I let you go, I want to get to a couple things that that are very big and unfortunately are where we are at as a country, which which is it baffles me and it's it saddens me. Uh, Kevin Sumlin, who's the the head coach of Texas A and M, lost the first game. They were up uh, they were up handily in the game. They were up thirty one to three. I think it was thirty eight to ten at halftime, and they lost the game forty five to forty four to UCLA. Uh, Kevin Sumlin received a, a threat in the mail. Uh, the person that sent the threat was confident enough to put their home address, and not only did they send a, a letter to his his house. But his wife posted it on Twitter, and it used the N-word. Uh, it said, you know, quit as a coach or else. So there's a threat in there. The N-word is in there. I mean, what what can you say to, for whatever reason, we've, we, I thought we came so far as a country, yet these words and these threats, and the, to some people, these are still okay to say, and and. I just want to get your thoughts on living in a world where that word was used ever, let alone still being used in 2017. It's just, it's just ridiculous. I haven't heard it. I haven't read it. I haven't seen it. But that kind of behavior is unacceptable today in 2017. Why those people think that they can behave that way, I don't know It gives them the courage to behave that way. But, you know, we live in a society uh, that is not... Uh, uh, upwardly uh, moving in the right direction. So you're going to have people like that, but you can't blame everybody because of ignorant people like that that come out and make statements like that. You just got to hope that the majority of the people in this country uh, don't feel that way or believe that. So I, I saw the game against UCLA. I saw them. It just, it, it happens. Games happen. Uh, but you don't want to say because of one game a guy should quit or he's no good, he's not a good coach. It's just like people talk about Mac coaches. Uh, a coach is a coach. An NFL coach or an AFL coach, they're all the same. They're coaches. They coach people they have to work with. I mean, unfortunately, his team did not perform well. Uh, they were up and they lost the lead and their team disintegrated. But it happens. It happens. You hear it all the time. Look at UNLV playing Howard. They were like 500 to 1. How it won. Uh, it's just one of those things. You can't uh, look at a person's ethnicity to say he's not a good coach. That's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. People that make those kind of statements uh, are, are totally ridiculous. And when when you see this as as an African American in this country and as a person in this country, I don't look at you and say it's Floyd Little, the African American, or you know, whoever, whoever, the Caucasian or the Italian or the Hispanic, I don't see people that way. Yet there are some people that decide to group everybody, which is beyond me. I'm never going to understand it because I don't live that world. But when you turn on the television and you see neo-Nazis and white supremacists and KKK and people taking down statues and civil unrest and, and you know, people trying to speak their mind in, in 2017 – I mean, you have grandchildren. 
You know, you don't only have children, Floyd. You have grandchildren. You have you have a lot at stake in the future of this world with the people that you love. So, what is your what is your advice to them, and what goes through your head when you turn the television on, knowing that you obviously have people that you are trying to protect in your family and trying to give a good life to? Well, I just I got to say, we as, as as citizens who don't believe that has to really speak out about it, and. Uh, don't support those kinds of people or, or, or their or their venues or their or their philosophy. We just have to say, hey, this is not what it's really what it really is. There's individual people who have the right to have their own thoughts and speak their own minds, but that ain't who we are. And we just have to move on. We have to be more representative of what the country really truly is. Of people of, that love each other, that care about each other and support each other. We can't get caught up in all of that. That's not uh, that's not who we are. We've come too far to go backwards. So I just tell uh, my grandkids, that, hey, listen, this ain't how everybody is. It's just a handful of people. Just move beyond that. Try not to let it affect you. And, and in closing, uh, Colin Kaepernick, I know you have a military background. My family does as well. And Colin, he decided to to not stand during the national anthem, to stand up for something that's important to him. Some people are against it. Some people are for it. There are other players that sit during the national anthem. Marshawn Lynch has sat during the national anthem, and he's on an NFL team. You're closely connected to the NFL. You're an ambassador in a lot of ways with the NFL. How do you look at the Colin Kaepernick situation because from my point of view as, as a 14-year broadcaster, I, I, I find it very difficult for 32 teams to say we don't need the talent of Colin Kaepernick. I mean, there's there's a bunch of teams there. You know, the Colts come to mind immediately that, that could use some assistance from, an, from another quarterback than what's on the roster. So how do you tackle that, having a military background, understanding it's his right to speak his mind, and, you know, yet there is this notion that, he was, he was the front runner, so he's been blackballed from the NFL. But the other people that followed suit are allowed to play. How do you look at the Colin Kaepernick situation? Well, I, you know, as a guy that supports the military, there's too many of us. Our relatives, even my brothers, died defending that the rights, his rights, as well as the flag. I think you got to pick a different venue if you want to protest. If you have a uh, an axe to grind, I don't know that you. Take it, take it to the fields of the National Football League and grind it. I think if he had an extra grind, he should have gone to the police department, stood on the steps, uh, pick a different venue. But we've had too many of our men and women die in wars over the years defending that flag. That's not the place to protest, for me, from my standpoint. I mean, there's other places and other things you can do, but uh, the fact that he did it... Uh, uh, if if you want to protest something, stay in the locker room. I think if he stayed in the locker room and uh, said he's not coming out uh, for for the national, I think it would have been a different deal. But uh, you don't disrespect the flag. That coming from Floyd Little, somebody who I appreciate, and uh, you know above all things, you know Floyd. As I say, you're a living legend. You have been honored all which ways in this country for so many different things on and off the field. But, you know, I appreciate your friendship and I appreciate the person that you are in the community. So, I mean, the only way that I find fair to 
to bring this conversation to a close is to tell you thank you for being a constant positive, a constant voice of reason, and somebody who wants to see this nation do right, this this world do right. So, you know, I just, I appreciate your friendship and I appreciate the man that you are and, and I thank you for that. All right, thanks, Dan. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or a wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. Hi, this is Sal Lamedico, owner and operator of Sal's Pizza and Restaurant, 41 East Genesee Street in the village of Baldersville. We're family owned and operated since 2002. We take pride in customer service and quality of food where it's paramount we don't choose between both. We offer carry-out, delivery, and catering. Or you can bring your family and friends in and enjoy friendly staff and comfortable atmosphere. Trivia is offered once a week, every Wednesday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Call us at 315-638-8505 or visit us online at salspizzabville.com. We're here at Sal's Pizza Restaurant. We're more than pizza. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt.com. DT, happy to be here with you on the broadcast today and every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time right here on the live stream that you could become a member on and you'd be crazy not to. Members can chat with me in the live chat room and members also get emailed every single time we click that live button. As soon as we go live, as soon as that mic comes up, you get sent an email straight to any of your devices and all of your devices to say that the show is on. You click listen live in your email and it streams you right through on mixlr.com backslash DT. At this point in the show, in the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA, it is now time to get into my one-on-one conversation 
with Buddy Bayheim, who has become no stranger to the show. He has been on the show numerous times and alluded to the fact that Syracuse was a very, very good possibility. And now he's officially committed to the Orange, and we're here to have a conversation coming off of that, and I can't wait to share that with you. First and foremost, Buddy, how you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. And, and Buddy, just to get into this decision was was there ever I know that you had some schools that came out and gave you offers or showed interest but a lot of schools were kind of staying back feeling you know what's the point when your dad Jim Beheim's over at Syracuse what can you say about I mean was there was it did a school ever have a shot at you besides Syracuse in your opinion what can you say about that uh, it really just came down to whether or not I felt like I could play at Syracuse and contribute overall for the team and help win and I feel at the end of the day and the coaches do too not just my dad that I can do just that and so once I found that out you know I just was 100% sure I was going to Syracuse your dad doesn't mince words he says exactly how he feels so what did he say to you about what he thinks your capabilities are I mean I'm sure that if you said hey dad I want to play at Syracuse and he didn't think that you were going to be on the court a lot there. He would tell you such. So what did he tell you about Syracuse and, and your future there? I mean, he just tells me if I keep doing what I'm doing, keep working hard, I can be I can be as good as I as anyone, really, and that if I just stay with it, I can I – I, I, he said I've made great strides in this last year or so, and if I keep doing that, it could be a very big piece of the team in the upcoming years and just be a big contributor down the, down the road. You've seen your dad recruit other people. You've obviously been around the Dome and been around the Mellow Center and, and been around your father throughout your entire life. And, and, and being around your dad, you obviously see when there's people on campus and, and people at Syracuse are bringing on for visits and whatnot. Do you feel that you were treated as a recruit or was it really difficult for the staff and your dad to do that because of obviously you being the, the son of Jim Beheim? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I definitely. It wasn't didn't really feel like a recruit kind of thing, which was just fine with me because I don't really want it to be like that. It's, I mean, I want them to worry about the guys that they need to get because I mean, along the right line, they knew that I was gonna come to Syracuse no matter what. So, I mean, they did tell me every now and then like about stuff coming to games and stuff. Tell me why I did go, what I need to work on and stuff, and always was would help me. But they never really talked about it like that. And but once I committed, I talked to them all, and you know we're ready to get to work. Did you feel like you lost anything in your recruitment because a lot of schools stayed away from you? Did you ever feel like there was a loss in your experience of that? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, when schools would contact me, they'd always ask if I'm on the Syracuse or something, and I just say I'm not sure yet. But you know, one coach told me that they stopped recruiting me because. They knew I was going to go to Syracuse, so I mean, yeah, that definitely hurt. And but I don't really care because Syracuse is my dream school at the end of the day, and that's all I really wanted. So you look at Syracuse, and and the Orange have obviously gone through some changes over. You know, last season there was a bunch of new faces. This season, only four scholarship players from last year are on the team with Torian Thompson no longer being there. So what are your thoughts on coming onto the team, not this season, but next season, knowing that no matter what happens, there's going to be a need on this team and, 
and there's going to be a lot of newness to the team. So what do you think about the dynamic by the time you come in? I think it's going to be good. I mean, we're going to have a lot of young talent, and I'm excited for that and get it compete to get some good playing time. And if not, I'm just going to do my best to help out the team no matter what. But I definitely know that I need to step in right away and contribute in any way possible. So I'm going to be ready when the time comes. And when you look at being ready when the time comes for Syracuse, what are you most excited about in getting out in front of these fans? I mean, you know that that this is obviously the Loud House. You know that over 30,000 people have made it into the Dome. There are numerous times there's people that will come into the Dome that can't even see the court, but just to say that they were there, they will buy a ticket. So what do you think about finally getting to play inside of the arena that you, you know, as a little kid, ran around inside, and you've been in for so long, now you get to run around on the court. What's that going to mean to you? Oh, it's just going to be an amazing experience. I mean, it's not going to seem real at first, I feel like, but I just want to make sure I enjoy every moment and just have fun doing it and make sure we win at the end of the day because I've always wanted to win as many games in the Dome as possible, so... Um, that's definitely what I'm most excited for. I want to go back, uh, speaking here with Buddy Bayheim, new Syracuse commit. I, I want to go to the coaching staff beside your father, and I want to start with Adrian Autry and what your relationship has been like with him. And I want to, I want to talk about each individual coach because you said not just my dad, but they all believe that I can play at this level and, and become something special at this level. So what can you say about what Adrian Autry's had to say to you so far? Yeah, I mean, Adrian's definitely been a big part of it and has talked to me a lot, maybe the most out of any of the coaches, but he's just always telling me, you know, that you know, I'm a great shooter and that once I, that Syracuse needs me to come in and make shots and just stuff like that, and he's always supporting me, and I really love Adrian and I love all the coaches on the staff. Adrian, he told me, you know, everybody wants to know who's the right-hand man to Jim Beheim. A lot of people thought it was Jerry McNamara. And Adrian said, listen, he said, if, if it comes down to Jim gets two technicals, gets thrown out of the game, he gets sick, he gets suspended, whatever that is, I'm the one that picks up the clipboard. So technically, you know, that, you know, to, to shed some light on who takes up the reins if, if Jim isn't there. What do you think about Adrian's leadership and and the type of coach that he is and what he's grown to, to be there if and when your father is not on the sideline, Adrian would be there to help. Yeah, I mean, my dad definitely trusts him 100% and so do all the players. I mean, Adrian's a very intelligent coach. He knows what he's doing out there, and he's he's very experienced. He's had a lot of experience coaching at this level, and he was also a great player at Syracuse and growing up, so... I mean, yeah, we definitely, the whole team will trust him 100% to do the right job, and he's the perfect man for it. And then what can you say about what Jerry McNamara said to you before and your relationship with him at this point? Yeah, he's he's helped me a lot as well. I mean, just telling me, like, what what plays, what moves to make or sometimes what smart decision to make. And he's really someone I look up to as a player and a coach, and he's really been there for me a lot. And, you know, I just look up to him overall. And then as far as the the newest guy onto the staff, Alan Griffin, he had been on Syracuse's staff before. He obviously played with Syracuse. What can you say about your relationship with Alan Griffin at this point? Yeah, I definitely love Coach Griffin as well. I mean, we've always been close, even when I was younger as a kid, when I'd see him and stuff, we've always been like that and close. And 
he's just as excited, I think, as anyone that I'm coming to Syracuse. And he's really a great guy, and I can't wait to be able to play for him and learn a lot from him. So, buddy, it's not just you that committed to Syracuse for the incoming 2018-19 class. The first commit was Darius Baisley. He's been on this show coming out of Cincinnati, Ohio. He has been compared, if he puts on some muscle and some weight, the way he plays his game has been comparative to Derek Coleman, who used to play at Syracuse and obviously is one of the greatest ever at Syracuse. What do you think about Darius Baisley, and have you interacted with him at all? Oh, Darius is a great player. I mean, you can just tell right away. He's not even looking at the rankings. He can do everything. He can score. He can rebound. He can play defense, and he's got a lot of length on him. So he'll definitely be a big piece of the offense, and in the zone he'll be very well. And Yeah, I talk to him every now and then. I mean, I saw him when he was visiting uh, about in the summertime, and we played for a little. And, you know, he's a great player, and he's a great guy, so I can't wait to play with him. We joked about it, but if you're out there and you're getting critiqued, let's say you have an off night, an off few nights in a row, let's say you don't score a lot of points, let's say you struggle on defense, what do you think about the dynamic of your dad having to answer questions about your game in a press conference? Uh, You know, he's going to do it. He's just going to say what he knows. I mean, he's not into that slump stuff, so I think he'll just say the right thing and I'm not really worried about that right now. When you look at the fact that, you know, dad might take you aside and he's going to want to talk to you, people seem to pay attention. If, if a guy's struggling and a guy gets pulled to the side and sat down, he's getting a talking to from from Jim. I mean, this is your father. You've grown up seeing how he coaches and what he does. He's obviously coached you to an extent up to this point. So what can you say about the dynamic and if he has to give you that tough love, just how you've responded to that over the years? Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, I hope he does because, you know, I'm a teammate like every other player, so I'm excited to learn from him. And, you know, if, I hope he does that, and I know he will because he's not going to favorite anyone no matter what. He's going to tell me what I need to know, and, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to it and learning a lot from him. Before I let you go, speaking here with Buddy Bayheim, 2018 incoming guard for Syracuse's basketball recruiting class. Buddy, there's a notion that your dad was hoping for this moment and the notion that you were hoping for this moment and that once you are done at Syracuse that he could finally close that chapter knowing that he got to coach his son and, and also go up against his other son and your older brother Jimmy what do you think about that? I mean, could that be a good a good swan song, a, a good closing of a chapter to play up against your brother when you face Cornell and then have your father and you be the end of the Bayheim era? I mean, what do you think to that? I think it's really cool, actually. But, you know, it's not going to mean anything if we can't win. So I'm just more worried about winning right now. And after that, I'll probably look back and just think about how amazing it is. But... I'm definitely not going to forget these these upcoming years, and I'm going to really enjoy it, and I can't wait to get out there and just get some wins, and, you know, it'll be something I'll look back at for sure forever. You said, you know, you focus on the here and now. You're at Brewster Academy. You chose to go to Brewster and move forward before you went to Syracuse. What can you say about Brewster Academy, what you're excited about, and just what this final chapter will be before you go to Syracuse? Yeah, I mean, right so far it's been amazing. I mean, I've been playing pickups every day with some some of the best players in the country. So 
I'm just really excited to work on my game and be able to compete against some of the best talent around every day. And I think that's really going to help me for next year so I can get in right away and just know what I'm doing out there since I'm used to playing against that kind of competition. Who are some of the guys that you've been playing pickup against that you feel have really pushed you so far? Um, We have uh, this kid, Derek Culver. He's a big man. He's going to West Virginia. Um, Isaiah Musius, a really good small forward, shooting guard. Um, B.J. Shaw, Brian Shaw, son who played in the NBA. He's very good. Um, we have a two really good point guards, Sharif Kenny and Joel Brown. We have Nate Roberts, who hopefully will come to Syracuse with me. And we just have, we're top to bottom. We have a very deep team and just talent everywhere. Right, coming from Buddy Beheim, Buddy, I know that you have a lot coming up here with Brewster Academy and a lot coming up as you get set for that time at Syracuse. So I want to thank you for taking some time on the show once again. And officially, I can say congratulations on committing to Syracuse. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com, a backslash WakeUpCallDT. Thank you for listening in to today's show. I appreciate you so much. 
And I want to get you ready for Thursday, September 21st, the official first day of fall. I know some people are like, no, Dan, this year's the 20th or this is the 22nd. It's the 21st, right? September 21st is fall. December 21st is winter. March 21st is spring. June 21st is summer. That's how I... That's how I keep my connection with that. And October 21st is this man's birthday. So write it down in your calendar and be ready for this. So I want to thank you all for listening in today. In the morning menu, proudly presented by the Market Diner on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, in the regional market across from Destiny, USA. Big shout out and a big thanks to everybody that was a part of today's show, that including Floyd Little, Syracuse and Denver Broncos living legend, as well as a phenomenal person and a great friend. Uh, I also want to give a special thanks to Buddy Bayheim, 2018 Syracuse basketball commit. And I want to give a thanks to Mike Oresco, the American Athletic Conference commissioner and a great person in my life that I appreciate having and and speaking with about anything. So very good man and a very hardworking individual. So thank you to all my guests today. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to start something new every Thursday. So coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to start two things new, actually. So each month, we're going to do an award of the week brought to you by the Pendant Trophy Center, or or we're going to do an award of the month, pardon me. So we're going to do we're going to do a monthly award brought to you by Penn and Trophy Center. We're going to air that tomorrow. And we are also going to air a new segment called Papa Joe's Picks, where my uncle, Papa Joe, who has been well-versed in college football for a very long time in sports in general, he's going to be coming on to do some predictions with me in college football each week. So Papa Joe is coming on to do Papa Joe's Picks every Thursday, officially starting Thursday, September 21st, tomorrow. So, plan to come up tomorrow. We're going to hear some interviews tomorrow, hear my conversations with some people tomorrow that you're going to have to stay close to. Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, and Instagram at Dan Tortora Media to find out who our special guest will be tomorrow. So, special guest tomorrow, Papa Joe's Picks gets unveiled for the first time ever, and we will get into who won the award for September granted by Penn and Trophy Center in Central New York. We give a CNY slash Upstate New York award winner every single month, and I'm so I'm so psyched that uh, we're getting this thing going with the Penn and Trophy Center to award where award is due, to give thanks where thanks is due. So that's all coming up on tomorrow's broadcast. Very excited about it. And, of course, I'll get you set for Thursday night football that we have coming up this week as we do, you know, Fantasy Football Friday. We get into all of the games for Sunday and Monday, but I'm not going to miss a Thursday game and giving you advice on Thursday because you need it for every game. So we will discuss my advice for Thursday night football, the Los Angeles Rams at the San Francisco 49ers. We will discuss that tomorrow as well. In the meantime, come out and see me tonight, 41 East Genesee Street in the village of Baldwinsville for live trivia. Great food at sales, amazing food, so many different things on the menu to choose from, from the char-grilled wings to the lobster ravioli to their salmon to I mean anything that they have it is so so very good I love the bolognese I might have to get some bolognese pasta tonight so make sure you get out to sales restaurant tonight and every Wednesday at 7 p.m. for live trivia brought to you by wake up call with Dan Satora we do it differently than everybody else does how do I know that for sure well because nobody else has Dan Tortora 
So let's make it happen. Tonight, live trivia. We always have fun. We laugh. We have a good time. And we do it the way we do it because that's the way, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I like it. So make sure you come out to live trivia tonight and every Wednesday at 7 p.m. to Sales Restaurant, 41 East Genesee Street in the village of Baldwinsville. Folks, seriously, you came out in droves in the summer. You know, when people are outside and they're sailing and going on vacation and sunbathing and going to the fair and this, that, and the other, you showed up every single week. Thank you for that. Now that we step into the fall and this is the last day of the summer, I can't wait to see you tonight. I can't wait to ask you questions. I can't wait for you to make me laugh. Hopefully, I do the same for you. And I can't wait for you to have some good old family time and friends and bring a date out there and get around a table and eat some good food and have some good conversation. So we're going to have a good night tonight, and that's what we do every Wednesday. And I try to do it every night, but you get to see me every Wednesday at sales at 7 p.m., always trying to give something positive back to the community that I love so dearly and so much. So I will see you then tonight at 7 p.m., and I'll talk with you tomorrow morning, Thursday, September 21st, at 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, right here on the same bat time, same bat channel, mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Have a great day, and as Johnny wants, Johnny wants Roll Tide. A roll Tide, Roll Tide. But I think we should bring back Al Pacino's Coked Up Doug and say, Give me some bag. Put the cocaine in my bag of strips. You put the cocaine in my bag of strips, and you shake it all around, and then I like it, and then it's good, and it's all right with me. If you missed last Friday's show, you don't know who that character is. The annoying moment of the week created by the fact that a greyhound dog tested positive for cocaine. I will never say I've heard everything in this world because then I see stories like that and that changes the game for sure. Can't wait to see you all tonight at Trivia and tomorrow night at Live Game Show Night at Manja Italian Grill at 7 p.m. every Thursday. God bless you. Have a great, great, great day. Hurricane Maria and to all the hurricanes and natural disasters and earthquakes and this, that, and the other, please, God, protect us. And if we have to rebuild, which I hope we don't, but if we have to, please help us to have the money, the energy, the effort, the time, and the help in the community to do so. But above all things, may we not lose any lives because life is more important than any material things, and please help us to never forget that. God bless you. Have a great day, and I will see you tonight. And I'll talk to you tomorrow morning.